This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. You can help us to level up by supporting this podcast. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm and search for Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting and then hit the button that actually says support this podcast. I want you to go there now. Go, 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 go. And thank you ahead of time. And hi, guys, we are here. I'm sorry we were running a little late today with our podcast, but I want to thank everyone for tuning in and for listening uh, to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the podcast talk show for parents. I'm Janice Robinson Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Black Parenting Magazine. Now, I want to tell you right now to tell all your friends and followers about the show. So go to our Facebook page for Successful Black Parenting and share the link with your followers right now. Do it, do it, do it right now. And let people know you are joining us. Even better, you can click the options and start a watch party. Oh, man, I I love those fans that start watch parties. It really just brings people in. Now, in addition, you can comment on our Facebook broadcast right here, right below, And I will post the best comments live on air and know that it can take a while for your questions to populate in the backstage area where I am. So ask your questions early. Don't wait. Don't wait. So know that the hashtag for the show is hashtag backtalk. Hey, Shirley from Philly. Thank you for listening in. Well, I'm looking forward to lots of questions from you, Shirley. (laughs) All right. So my special guest today is Dr. Catherine Jackson. Dr. J, how are you? How are you? Now, we have our picture up today because she's having some technical difficulties signing in today, guys. But you see her beautiful face right there. And the reason she's holding a brain in her hands is because she is America's number one brain psychologist. And she's been featured on CNN, in the Washington Post, Prevention Magazine, Martha Stewart, Black Press USA, Bustle, and many other media sources. She is a national treasure. Um, She's a speaker. In addition to being an experienced clinical psychologist, a neurotherapist, and a coach, Dr. Jackson is the founder of the nonprofit organization, Dr. J's Holistic Health and Wellness. She has 10, over 10 years of clinical experience and has, you look so young. Oh my God. You have over 10 (laughs) years of clinical experience and has become sought after and a trusted expert in mental health neurotherapy relationships, including marriage, parenting, and families. And that's why we have her here in holistic health. And she's a wellness doctor. So Dr. J's life purpose and mission is to inspire others to live their optimal lives. And that's what we all want. So this is Back Talk, Dr. J. We're so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. You, you made me sound too good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very proud of people, our people who achieve and do wonderful things and then support the community back. So we, that's why we are super excited that you are joining this platform. Now, I have a few questions for you, more so pertaining parents and parenting, because, you know, I always tell parents that, you know, your child's brain development, where you can help them have their best start to just be a genius starts in the womb, Right. Um, yeah. when you are pregnant, because we want them to get the best nourishment, 
and et cetera to help the brain. But we all want our children to be geniuses, even if yeah. we're not, you know, like I have my moments. <laughs> but, but what can we do starting from conception to ensure that our children develop the best brain possible? Because between conception and age three, that's when the most brain development and every, all the synopsis and things come together or whatever, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, Dr. J. But anyway. <laughs> so explain to um, our people. It, it does start with conception, but I like to think because we women are the ones who carry the children that we almost have to be uh, thinking about things beforehand. So if you're thinking about getting pregnant or if you're um, even at the point where you could get pregnant, you want to make sure that you're living uh, a pretty healthy lifestyle. It doesn't mean you have to cut out everything, but you want to be mindful of what you're eating and that you're getting. Sorry, go ahead. I had to stop there. Keep going, please. Oh, um, all of that should be... Um, all of that, uh, everybody should, I mean, should be reducing their exposure to toxins, so environmental toxins and uh, what you put on your skin and what you put into your body, you want to reduce those. And those will help when a woman is pregnant to help with the brain development of the baby. You also want to keep your negative experiences low or eliminate them altogether. So any negative people, stress at work, you really want to make sure that you're um, managing that so that, you, you know, you just, you create a good environment, a good womb for, for the baby and for healthy brain development. And of course, for, for uh, any woman that is pregnant, you want to completely eliminate drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes because all of those are, uh, have negative effects on brain development. Right. The more nourishment you can give to the brain, the cleaner the environment um, and reduction of chemicals that are introduced into food or whatever, the more pure the food is, the better it is. Um, And and you will see there's a big difference when you take care of making sure your child has the best possible start from the cellular level. That's where it starts. It starts in the womb. So women who think, oh, I can smoke and I can do this and I can do that and be my old self, it's not true because you're then taking away some of that development that the child could possibly have to help them make them that much more of a genius. It is possible, right? It's almost like, well, we are. We're growing a a brain in the womb. So why would you grow a brain without the best possible nourishment, right? Right? And you're essentially you're, you're kind of growing a more defective brain, and sometimes kids can make that up outside of the womb. But you want to try to, you know, you want to try to create the best possible chances within the womb, because once they get out, they're going to be faced with a lot of other stuff as it is. Exactly. I mean, there's so many pollutants in our our world and our environment that's going to be pretty much against them and working against them and working against that cellular development that you have to give them kind of a head start uh, when you're pregnant. But let's talk about infancy to age three, because that's a real critical period. That's why we have head starts and pre-Ks. And that is very, very important um, for, for his brain development. After age three, you're kind of like, I'm not going to say you're set, but you know, it's the brain uh, development slows down a lot. It does. And um, the critical period refers to like that best time in which certain skills and characteristics can be acquired. Things like language, um, your motor skills, vision, 
all the different senses, all those things connected to the brain. different things of uh, grammar, uh, things I know of. Not a lot of grammar introduced that early, but if you notice anything that's off, this is the time that you want to get any services put in place because if you delay getting services, sometimes it's hard to correct, and sometimes for some some children it's not um, corrected at all. Okay, well, that, that's that's really important. I want our, our parents to understand because we all want, our, like I said, our children to be the, that genius. We want them to be that. And, you know, I've raised my children um, and without all of this knowledge right away. And I went to school later on. But then I now I have some grandchildren, which I'm very proud of, who are, you know, ones that are old enough to talk are geniuses. Like, I mean, they are. And I'm not just being biased. I used to test children with Denver <laughs> early profile, uh, you know, and the help, the Hawaiian early learning profile um, uh, assessment. So. That was my job. So I, I know um, the Denver screening and all of those things. So I know what milestones they're supposed to hit, et cetera, um, to be considered, you know, past their, I guess, or hitting their milestones or past that. So and I have some grandchildren that are pretty amazing. And um, they, they sound more like teenagers when you have a conversation with them than two. They're two. Um, so anyway. Yeah. So and I have one is five. So but um, what about us old people? <laughs> is there any help for improving our brain development and older people are older children I should say because I don't want to like steal this away from our kids but what about when you're older I mean do even those supplements work and I, I don't I'm of course not recommending giving supplements to kids but like I take ginkgo biloba I do so does that help um, so there's been mixed reviews on on supplements um, some supplements have been said to work, but recently a lot of the research that I've been reading say, says that brain supplements, they really don't uh, do much. It's almost like uh, throwing away money. But what I think is if, if you feel better with it, then go with it. Or if your doctor, uh, your medical doctor recommend, recommends it, then go with it. Um, it's not something that you exactly have to have. Oftentimes, we can get a lot of the things that we get from supplements from natural sources. So if you're trying to get omega-3s to help with brain uh, improvements, brain development, brain health, you can uh, get a lot of that from natural sources like fish and different oils and nuts. You can get that from there. And so if you can get enough from what you typically would eat, I say there really is not going to be as much of a need for a supplement. But if you know you're deficient in certain things, you definitely want to talk to your medical doctor and see if you need to supplement somewhere and make sure that you're getting enough so that you keep a healthy brain. Right. Well, I know I don't eat right. So <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, my brain is probably starving for nourishment. It's like, hey, I need some help. Um, so <laughs> so my supplements for me, I'm going to be taking a lot of them. Yeah. You are probably a great candidate. I mean, even if it's a placebo effect, hey, whatever helps.
uh, increases. So when you're younger, like three times a week is, is usually enough. But when you're older, you want to make sure that you're moving up to four to five times per week. Um, diet is like like we talked about with the with the children and with being pregnant is very important as well. You want to make sure that you're getting in enough nutrition, getting in a, enough fruit, vegetables. Olive oil is really good for the brain, and uh, fish for people who eat meat is a good way to get some brain benefits if you eat fish uh, like three about three times per per week you don't want to eat it all the time at, at every sitting okay. because it can be toxic yeah. and they stay connected with others which i feel like you have no problem with <laughs> right. right i always worry about eating fish with the pollution in the water like i used to, we used to be like a fish catching family and I can't catch fish anymore. I'm too sensitive to it. Like I'm like, oh, the poor fish. But, um, but I, I can, if it's in a supermarket, hey, it's this game. So, but the thing is, I always worry about the pollution and the mercury and mercury definitely affects your brain. Um, you know, so, and I would love to talk to you more about that and um, different, you know, things that are in the environment another time. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Georgia from Anderson, I'm from Detroit. She just joined us too. So I want to say, hey, Georgia, thanks for joining us. I love when our when our audience comes and especially if you have any questions. Um, this is like such a great topic because you don't get to talk to people too much about your brain. I mean, I right? It's not a conversation. <laughs> you, from everything else. Right. It's connected with everything else. It, it is. It's so important. It, and you don't go up to a parent and be like, so how's your child's brain? You know, <laughs> how, are you, how are you developing it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a conversation. Right, right. That's not a conversation we normally have. But let's talk about this because I saw this in the news this past week. And I just saw a superintendent who had to put his teachers in their place for saying that black children can't learn, which we know is not true. So that's like like that that's <laughs> that's saying something's wrong that's with the brain. To hear. I don't know how you felt when you uh, read the article, but that is kind of inferior because that's not true. I do believe we all learn differently. It's just that the standard way of learning is based off, uh, traditionally based off white people. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like we may not be able to learn in some instances where we may excel in a bunch of other instances. Exactly. And, and I think when you're trying to base it off of one type type of people and they're like, oh, well, you know, the Asians, they do well. And I'm, I got to tell you, I was in a faculty meeting one day and my head went sideways like, what? And I looked around all the black faculty when this was said, they said, well, our Asian kids are doing really good with testing and our white kids are OK. But we have another group that's really pulling us down. And I went, it, hit, it took me a second. I went, what group is, what? And I wanted to say something so bad, but you know, it wasn't the place to say it because then, you know, you, you're considered, oh, that is Miss, Miss Robinson Celeste. She's going to cause trouble. So I'm like, yeah, y'all know how much trouble I can cause. But I knew it wasn't the right place to say something. But I, I've been saying something ever since because I, <laughs> I got to tell you, that made my head go, what? And I had to look around like, is it just me? And all of the black faculty just sitting there, not moving. I'm like, I'm the troublemaker. I'm like, really? Y'all going to sit here? <laughs> and you know, if I stand up, I'm going to be by myself. I'm like, for real? So anyway, but we know it's not true because every, you know, basically everyone is a genius. They have something called multiple intelligences, right? And 
you're stepping on my thoughts for later. So, okay, well, that's, that's okay. We can talk about it. We're going to talk about that. And then, um, but yeah, exactly that. It's the multiple. Well, before I even started talking about the different kinds of intelligence, um, I feel like teachers who make those kind of comments, they have no understanding of black culture and the strengths and values within the black community. Um, the typical type of learning may not always be the type of learning that is the most valued in certain homes. Okay. There may be other things like skills and being able to help out at, in the house. And uh, so that's more like interpersonal intelligence. Mm -hmm. It may be something else that's more of a value. And if teachers of any kind will take time to see what strengths kids have, then you can teach to that strength. And you can always pull out more of the uh, positives out of every kid if you teach to what is what the best way that they learn. Exactly. And I wholeheartedly believe that um, when our, our, our children are doing practical learning, like project-based learning, they tend uh -huh. to achieve more. I've seen it. And hands-on learning because we come yeah, from a practical culture. Yeah. Really think yeah. about it from even down. If you go all the way back to want to go to our ancestors and slavery, everything we have done since at least and probably before has been something practical, something that we can use in real life, something that we can learn and keep with us. Uh, you know, not abstract concepts necessarily all the time, but you know, we can learn those too. But we are very practical people. If you show us those abstract con um, concepts and how they relate to real life, we'll get it. But how, how often is that done in school when you have algebra? How many of you people listening right now can say that when you learn algebra, your algebra teacher showed you how each problem applies to real life stuff? I can tell you. I, I don't even do that all the time in college. No. So no, mm -mm. they're not getting it in, in the lower level of, of education. Right. And I only had one teacher that did that because I kept demanding and that was in college. And she was the best teacher I've had. And it was the first time I ever got an A in math because I mean, math oh, just don't get along. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a testimonial. I'm telling you, she showed me how just basic because I had to go to remedial math because I've always been so bad at it. I can write my butt off now. Like I get perfect scores in writing. But when it comes to math, um, no. So she showed me how like a parabola, you can use a rocket ship uh, as an example for parabolas and show how to tell where the rocket's going to land, how to um, use algebra to figure out how long radiation will last. All this became alive to me suddenly. I don't even know her name. I wish I could find her. She had her own textbook, which I kept for a long time. I really don't know what happened to it now, but I wish I had the textbook because it was so simple. It's her textbook. And um, but that's what our children need. And it says, if you judge a fish, there's a quote, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that is stupid. And exactly. And that was me. I mean, that was me. I thought, well, I can't do math. I must be dumb or I just don't get it. And so then I didn't try too hard because every time I saw math, I, I was like, I just glazed over like a deer headlights. I'm like, I can't do this anyway. You know, so that was my life growing up. But um wow. Let's talk and about it. it Go it's good that you found somebody somewhere. Some people never find anybody anywhere that teaches in a way that they can get it and let them know that they're not, like you said, feel like you're dumb. You mm -hmm. just can't get it and, and makes it them feel like they can get it. They're not 
dumb. And these and teacher comments like the one that you read in that article, it just it kills kids' spirits, okay. and it uh, fosters this whole thing like uh, that like you're, you're less than just because you can't do those typical things, or better yet, that the teachers just aren't teaching in a way that you can get it. Right, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen math professors because they know it just come in and just start writing on the board, just formulas. It looks like it could be something on the side of a Martian spaceship. Just can't, they just were writing and writing and writing. And you stop to ask a question and they'd be like, you should know this. It was last week. I'm like, I didn't get last week's. <laughs> you know? So I'm going to move on. And so, and I was that kid that like, I would keep asking, well, how do I use this? How can I use this? And then they wouldn't tell me, I'd be sitting in the back, you know, I would be the one with all the noise, like, you know, slumping in a chair, like, Oh, <laughs> I don't understand. And tutors couldn't help me because they couldn't explain it to me. So I was that kid. And it had nothing to do with, I think, how smart you are because I just excel in so many other things. But um, let's talk about this IQ thing because we hear about IQ a lot with intelligence and genius and brains. Um, what do parents need to know about this whole IQ construct? Like, what, what do we need to know? Because I've heard so many things about that. I... I, I don't know. I'm going to tell parents what they need to know and then <laughs> say what I think. Go ahead. Um, they do need to know that kids who fall with uh, outside of the typical uh, bell curve, so it's usually 85 to like 115 within the I, IQ. Um, kids who fall below that, or I should say outside, they are in, in, a, in the exceptional zone. Either they're um, like you said, in the remedial area where they need a little extra help, maybe some, um, uh, what do they call them? Some academic, I'm, 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 I'm at a loss for words, uh, for the, that you put on your IEP, your 504, some of those, um, specialized services, that's mm-hmm. the word, specialized services. Or if they're above 115, especially the further above you get, um, that's where we see like the, where you're starting to be in the genius zone or, or definitely more than average um, zone. And you see some of those kids who are in the exceptionally able or um, or the gifted program. So that is those numbers are helpful to a point because then it lets you know where your child is and what kind of services you want to get for them. Other than that, I don't feel like uh, IQ is all that important uh, in the big scheme of things because especially for the black community, it's not based off of our learning. And uh, an African-American, and his name is escaping me, but an African-American psychologist uh, actually created uh, an IQ test specifically for black uh, people, but it's not widely used. I shouldn't even say widely used. I've, I've never seen it in all of my years doing testing, um, ever seen it used. I've never actually laid eyes on it. I just know that he created it, and it was supposed to be like those things that you were just talking about earlier, how we're more impersonal as a people. Um, we are more kinetic uh, as a people. We think more uh, about those skills that we need that's going to connect to life versus just learning some math that we're never going to use anymore outside of education. And so his, his test was for things that we, you know, that, that takes a lot more into consideration for black culture, but that's my thoughts. I I don't see it to be long-term that important. It's very important when your kids are 
younger because you want to be able to identify if your child has any uh, issues and get the needed services quickly. Um, just like we were talking about with pregnancy, you want to you want to be able to set you know set your kids up as soon as possible. And if you notice that there's a problem, you want to be able to to get on on top of that problem as soon as possible as well. If you let, if, if anything goes on too long, then, you know, it'll be hard for your, your children to catch up. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And now, you know, I, this is my soapbox, but it's a true <laughs> statement. If your child does not know. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon.